Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. All right, so today we're uh, starting a brand new message series called Lukewarm. I'm talking about lukewarm. Uh, if you've been raised in church at any length of time, you might have heard this scripture, this passage. Um, the way I heard these verses, and we're going to jump into like the actual verse context, because Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea. It's like Jesus himself speaking to the church, and most people think really applies to today's church, especially the American church, so it really applies to us in maybe how we're going to apply this this week. But if you've heard it, preached before you talk about uh being lukewarm uh usually again like last week i was raised pentecostal so there was a lot of fire behind it and they always wanted you to be on fire for god right i want don't be lukewarm be on fire for god and the context that i got out of it uh early on as a kid was like you either need to be passionately for jesus or a genocidal maniac that was how i heard it like it was like go all in or all out you either need to be like kicking babies or love jesus all with all your heart anything in the middle jesus hates like he's really cool with one extreme or the other um but i don't think that's really what the context of scripture is also i've started to learn what it is like to hate something being lukewarm okay not water i actually don't mind if water is lukewarm i hate the taste of water so i'd rather just chug it anyway so it's kind of weird about me uh but i do have things that i hate that are lukewarm all right one of the things that I hate that if it's lukewarm is even if I'm playing against somebody in, in, in sports, if they are lukewarm in the game, not, not their skill set. I don't mind playing against somebody who's not good because I'm not very good. I don't mind that. Like, that's cool. But when you have a gift set in you and you're really good at something and then you play halfway, drives me, drives me nuts. Like uh, playing a pickup game of basketball. I'm, I'm about a, as good at basketball as I look like I would be, which is not very good. Okay, not very good. But I will give it 100%. Right? The best thing that I got is I used to, I don't know if it's still true, but I could usually just out cardio everybody. So I'm just running up and down the court, not making any shots, fouling a lot of people, but I'm giving it all I got. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all I got. And you have these guys that like could dunk and I can't dunk. Like I'm, if I touch the net, I'm crushing it. Okay. I don't got no hops and just play halfway. You know what I'm saying? Just whatever. And then when they, when they get down, they pick up pace and start to play all the way. And I'm like, I don't even want you, I don't even want to play against you. Either dominate me in the game or don't play at all. Like lukewarm is so frustrating to watch somebody with a gift set with something they're good at just be lukewarm. Like you go, you sign your kids up for a sport and they're out there picking flowers. You know what I'm saying? Like, nope, no, we're, we're, this is our last season of this. You either get out there and you play the game or let's not. I don't want to waste my time. I don't got nothing to prove for you to be good at this sport. Either go out there, love the game, play the game or don't. And that's, I think, kind of the context of what Jesus is saying about being lukewarm. Pick the spot that you're passionate about, that you're called to. I want to talk about how to maybe get your passion back for the things of God, the, the call of God on your life, the plans God has for you. And today we're going to start with a specific topic, but I want to read the verse in context. Um, Jesus talks to seven different churches in Revelation. There's a lot of speculation about the metaphors and the imagery, um, but everybody agrees that this church of Laodicea probably fits the American church the best. Um, and so I think it's really pertinent for us uh, today as we go through the series. So Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. These verses, um, they're not like, they're not like, let's play games verses. This is not like cuddly, warm Jesus verses where he's like, come to me all who are heavy burdened. You know, these are like, I know what you do. I know what you know and what you should know. And I know what you do. These, these verses are him judging them by their actions. And Jesus is judging us by our actions, by our works, by our deeds. So a little bit of context of what's taking place. Um, so, so first off, the imagery of being either hot or cold and the idea that, that Jesus wants us hot. Jesus wants us on fire. Jesus wants us, I mean, some of you are hot. Like, you know, looking good today, you're hot. That's cool too. But I'm talking about like your passion for Jesus. The idea that Jesus wants us hot is probably not the imagery even in this verse. It's really unlikely that what Jesus was looking for in these verses when he said be either cold or hot was a hot drink. It's a desert area. There's only one context I could find historically there would be a hot drink. There would be a hot drink in early Rome where, where Jesus is, the, the time that Jesus is talking, there would be a hot drink that would be mold wine where if the wine wasn't very good, they figured out how to actually still drink it. They put a bunch of spices in it and they would heat it up and that would make it acceptable drink. I don't think that's what he was looking for. It's possible, but I don't think that's what he's looking for. I think he's looking for a cold drink. So in this context, there's cold or hot. And the context of that is really pertinent to Laodicea, that cold and hot both have really good purposes. Cold and hot would have been really useful in their day, in their culture, and specifically to Laodicea to have the imagery of cold or hot water. Because hot water, you can bathe in. It's good for purification. And the Roman Empire was known for their Roman baths. That's something they did. That if there was a hot spring, they utilized it. If there wasn't a hot spring, they still warmed up the water and had hot baths. Like, so they knew what that looked like, and then they cold water was refreshing and the idea of living water existed in the Roman Empire because they were the first one to really start piping water to really start the aqueduct systems that could work and function and flow so they had this imagery of what these two things could be good for but knew very clearly that the middle thing is good for nothing that lukewarm the issue with lukewarm is it is good for nothing what's particular and unique about Laodicea is that Laodicea even today is unique in its water system like you go, go to Wikipedia, look up the church of Laodicea, look up Laodicea. We're still excavating. It's not a modern city anymore. We're excavating it. And one of the articles for Laodicea, even today, outside of a biblical source, is just the uniqueness of their water system. One, I don't even understand how it works, but they had an inverse siphon to make it pump. And they were, had clay pipes. And they're, they're, they were pumping water from a really far distance. They were pumping water from a really far distance. And they had one city that was close to them named Heropolis that had natural hot springs. So like one city right next to their community, probably north of them where the water might have flowed from, named Heropolis, they would have known what hot springs looked like, felt like, and how easy it was for that city to take a nice hot bath. Useful, helpful. And then on the other side, they had a city called Colossa, where Colossians comes from, the book of Colossians. Cold water. They, had ni- they were right on the foothills of the mountains. They had fresh, cold water. But poor old Laodicea was stuck in the middle. They were stuck pumping their water for miles away. They were pumping their water for miles away, and it was like overly mineralized water. So if you've ever had nasty water, you know what I'm saying? You go to like, not just your sink, but some of these stores, 
sell you worse than tap water. I don't know if, if you're picky like me about your bottled water. If I'm going to pay for water, not drink it out of the tap, I don't want to waste my time with this garbage tasting water. If you go to Europe, you're going to get bubbly water. I don't know what they're thinking. Put some flavor in it. If you drink LaCroix, get saved. Get some help, okay? <laughs> drink some real, have a real drink. It's something wrong with you. That, that stuff does not taste like any fruit that's on the label, right? One, one joke was it tastes like, uh, like, like uh, TV static. And that's what LaCroix tastes like. If you've ever had it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. I got one more. I got one more. LaCroix tastes like somebody ate the fruit described on it and burped in your face. All right, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. All right. So, but, but they would have known what nasty water tasted like. It, it was possible that it, 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 it actually, they had to keep replacing the pipes over and over again because they kept getting calcified. They had to keep replacing pipes over and over again. So they knew what it looked like. And I would imagine the water was disgusting. There's a, there's a possibility the water came from uh, Heropolis and would have actually had the smell of sulfur attached to it. I'm not, I don't know that for fact, um, but there's a possibility that it was like really bad water. And so the water that they had, they understood. So when Jesus is talking to the church, they have the imagery of what it is to be useful they have the imagery of what the two benefits are, and they have the imagery of something they have right in front of them that is terrible, that is useless, that is awful, that is annoying, that we have to keep replacing pipes for. And so in this series, and specifically today, when we talk about what it looks like to not be lukewarm, we're talking about living towards your calling, towards your passion, like living in a place that is actually useful for what it's designed for. And the issue with the water that they were pumping it's not that it ever started out bad. It's just the distance it came from, it became lukewarm because of its environment. So if you're looking at something that's lukewarm, something that has just become a certain temperature, it has become its temperature based on its environment, not the source. It has become the temperature because it has let its temperature be dictated by its environment, not its source. So for uh, kind of giving a, de a definition, lukewarm is a reflection of the environment, not the source. Meaning that like the water connected to the source is either cold or hot. The more connected to the source it is, the closer you go to the foot, the, 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 hill, the bottom of the mountain, the foothills of the mountain, and you get a nice cold spring water off that snow melt, it's going to be delicious, it's going to be fresh, it's going to be cold. The closer you get to the source of the hot springs, of the hot bath that's going to purify better, you're going to take a nice warm bath. The further you get away from that source, the more the water has been dictated by its environment, not the other way around. And so for us, when we walk through this series, we're going to ask the question, how much of, of my life, how much of my, my feelings, my emotions, my passion for Jesus is dictated by my environment versus the source, versus the source of where it's supposed to start from? And we might find out that like, there's a lot of things in our life, like the news and social media and all these other things that infect, affect our lukewarmness, affect our temperature, because it's distracting us from the source. But today I want to be specific. Today, I want to be specific about getting back to the source, and I want, I want us to look at our own lives. It's not about anybody else. It's not about another church. It's not about another individual. It's about us. Individually, us looking at our own life to say, am I away from the source? Have I disconnected myself from the source? And one of the things at the beginning of the verse, it says, is Jesus tells them, I know you by your works. I know you by your deeds. I know you by your actions. Listen, I get it. I know we're saved by faith and faith alone. I get, I get that. I know it's that, that we couldn't have paid for, for the grace that was given. I get that. But, but James also tells us that our, our faith without works is dead. That, our, that our, our works, our action steps are a reflection of what's actually true about our faith. So if we say, if we pretend to say like, no, no, I really love Jesus, but our actions don't say we love Jesus, he knows us by our works. 
our, our, our works, our actions, our, our, our actual steps that we take are what reflect it, is reflecting what's really true in our hearts. And so Jesus, even when he looks at the church, he says, I know you by your actions, not by how you feel, not by you, what you wish you would do, not what, what you could have done, if you had had, if somebody would have, if I'd have been raised by, if something else would have changed, I would have done something different. No, no, Jesus says, I know you by your works, and you're neither cold nor hot. So today, are you cold or hot, or are you lukewarm? How disconnected are you from the source? And the source today, I'm going to simplify it. The source is the body of Christ. And I don't mean that metaphysically. I don't, I don't mean uh, the source is like metaphysically the body of Christ. You stay connected, like baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you're connected through the baptism of water, and now you're connected to the body. No, I mean like a physical connection. Your works reflect whether or not you are connected to the source. I would argue that the American church, the church of Laodicea, has gotten to a place where we're comfortable in our individualism, and we don't necessarily need the body of Christ, or we don't think we need the body of Christ. We, we read scripture and we discount community. We discount the body of Christ and we talk about me and Jesus, my relationship with Jesus. But he says, I know you by your works. Are you connected to the body of Christ? So if I'm going to get back to the source, if I'm going to start this series talking about being either cold or hot, being useful for what you're called to, being connected to the source, I want to challenge you to be connected to the body of Christ, not, not, not metaphorically, not metaphysically, but physically connected to the body of Christ, that your actions show that you are connected to other believers, that you're connected to a community of believers, that you guys grow together, you stretch together, that, that it's iron sharpening iron, that two believers, three believers, four believers, you're connected to a group. And that connection point helps you to stay physically, like my work show that I'm connected to the body of Christ because we meet, we love each other well, and we grow. Historically, the need for community was like already built in. Right? Like when Jesus is writing, as much as he's saying, like, hey, you got to do these things, you got to do it, the need for community was kind of built in. We have a real easy out for our community, like for, for our spiritual community to get out of the body of Christ. Like, you're either in or you're out in the early church. We can tell if you're a part of the body or not. But I don't, I, if, you, if you aren't here Sunday, I, you might be going to another church. I don't know. You might be connected to a body somewhere else. You might love another church, which is fine. This may not be your home church. You might just be visiting because you have a Sunday off. I don't know what your story is. But if, if, if I tried to excommunicate you, if I was like, you know what? Your life, it's sin. I don't like how you do your hair. I don't like your shoes. Get out of the church. You're excommunicated from the church. That would mean nothing. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to the other church. I'm going to go to three other churches in town until I find one that fits. But the early church, no, no, you were excommunicated from the body. If you lived a life of sin that was so far outside of normal, you would be excommunicated from the body. There wasn't another group of believers to go join in with. You were either in or you're out. And you needed the community because you were being persecuted. There was a need for community. It forced you to gather together. It forced you to need community. Life was found in community. But the blessings that have brought us to a place where we can handle it without us are also the curses that hurt us because we think we can handle it without it. They're the things that are like, man, this is really, we're really blessed to not be forced into community, but it might make us think that we don't actually need it. And, and I think that's what's happening in Laodicea and in our own connection point. And what, what the beauty of what happens when we're in it is that just like the water source, there's an inflow and there's an outflow. And what I want to challenge you to see is that if you are connected to the body of Christ in a healthy way, there's an inflow and there's an outflow. Right? Every water source, if it stays stagnant, if it doesn't have an inlet and an outlet, it's not going to stay a good water source for a, while, for a very long time. 
It's going to be really unhealthy. It's the same true for the, for the cold water that's coming out of the mountains. It's the same true for the hot springs. It has to have an inflow and an outflow. And in the body of Christ, when you stay connected to community, when Jesus looks at your work and like, hey, you're crushing it, you're really cold or you're really hot, you're really useful for the thing, you're passionate, it's going to be because you have a healthy inflow of community where people love you, where people connect to you, where people believe in you, and you have a healthy outflow where there's people you do that for too that you love them well, that you connect to them well, you pray for them, you call them up, you check on them. There's a healthy community. And I would, I would argue this so passionately that I don't think that you can have Jesus without it. Like, I, like there, Jesus is found in all the things that we're doing. There are aspects to our rhythm and our calling that really matter. But like to exclude community and think that we can do this thing on our own, I just, I don't, I don't think you're really getting the real Jesus. Like, don't get me wrong, there, there may be some exceptions. Maybe there's some exceptions to it. If, we're, if I was a quadriplegic, would, I, would there be an exception for me to be connected to the body of Christ? Maybe, or maybe I'd be forced to have it even more, and I'd be forced to be more dependent on the body of Christ to show up and to help me. Maybe there are exceptions, but if there are exceptions, I, they actually prove the rule in this scenario. How much we need community that, that our worship time connects us to how good God is so it drives us to love other people the way he loved us that our prayer time it connects us to Jesus but it also drives us to see what's true about ourselves and what God is calling us to and it should drive us to community our, the, we read scripture and we see Jesus in scripture but it should also drive us to community so if we separate the two I got questions about whether it's really Jesus whether we're following Jesus or we're following an idol, because scripture, prayer, worship, all the things drive us back to community. They force us into community. When you pray, you realize, I need a savior. And so draw us into community. So for, for our context, for Muskogee, Oklahoma, or maybe you're somewhere else in America, if you're watching this another time, for, for the American church, uh, how, do we, how do we do community well? Uh, and I'll tell you what we do. Okay, this is not, uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to get you to a place of, of community. The product is the goal, not the method. Okay, I, w- I want you driven into the body of Christ some way, somehow. The ultimate goal is that you are in a thriving community of believers. That somehow, whether it's a home church, whether it's another church in town, whatever you're called to do, be face-to-face with other believers where you're connecting, you're growing, iron sharpening iron. Church, what we've found to seem to, to work. This is our method, not the end goal. The end goal is the relationships. The methods that we have seen to work are twofold for community. The first one, and probably the simplest one, is to attend one, serve one. To attend one service, serve one service. So every single week you'll see people with shirts on with different colors. Uh, they're serving host team or life kids, and um, they show up and they uh, attend a service. So they're getting poured into. There's an inflow. And then they show up and they serve a service. So their background check approved and they're serving in life kids and helping kids be discipled. There, there's an outflow. There's an inflow and there's an outflow. And they're growing in their relationships as they're serving together, as they're connecting, as they're getting to know one another. You're holding the door with somebody, you're talking, you're getting to know somebody. You're, you're, you're making coffee together, you're getting to know somebody. And eventually, over time, that grows into healthy inflow, outflow relationships where you can look at each other, know each other, and grow with each other. The second one is actually happening tonight. That's through brick groups. Inflow, outflow. You show up. It's kind of hard. And you just start to have a conversation. Sit in a circle, you sit in a rose, whatever. You sit down and have a conversation. You look people in the eye and you talk. And you eventually pour into somebody and they start to pour into you. You ask questions, they have answers. You have answers, they have questions. There's a healthy inflow and outflow. And those two things are our starting points for us of methods that we've seen to help you get into a community. So today, if you're wrestling, like, what do my work say? Do my work say I'm connected? Do my work say that I'm like in the body of Christ? Does, do my work suggest that I'm lukewarm? 
when it comes to the things of Christ. If they do, the first step I would say is to be in community, to be connected to other people, to look them in the eyes and to get to know each other well enough. And here's, there's not an out. I wish there was an out because I wouldn't have to be here. <laughs> I mean, I love what I'm called to do, don't get me wrong, but also if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't do it, okay? I would be just out living my life, doing whatever I want to do and just, Jesus, I love you. Let me go do what I want to do. But Jesus doesn't give us an out. Here's what he says in Hebrews. Here's what scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Um, the early church, and when they're writing to Hebrews, didn't have it perfect. There was one community, and if they were flawed, they were flawed, and you had to show up. It was necessary. I mean, like, the church in Corinth was doing some, I don't know in church how much explicit I want to tell you, but they've got some sexual morality that's taking place in the church in Corinth that would make some of us blush, right? They're, they're doing some things that are kind of shocking that we don't talk about in church a whole lot, and that's the church in Corinth, and that's the church you had to show up to. And that's the church he's saying you have to keep showing up to, even though they're flawed, even though their leadership is flawed. The church in Galatia had to show up knowing that Peter and Paul were arguing. Like, Paul gets pretty brutal in Galatians arguing with Peter about what things they should do. Like, I'm not showing up to that church. I'll stay home. No, no, no. Don't forsake it. As flawed as the leadership may be, as flawed as I might be, as flawed as this church may be, it still says the assembly is necessary to show up. Don't forsake it. There's not like an asterisk in, in the original Greek where you can go back to the footnotes and it's like, unless your leadership is terrible, unless your pastor has long hair and is trying to look like Jesus and it's ridiculous, then you don't have to show up. Like, I get it. Like, unless there's not a really healthy church in your town, unless fill in the blank, there's not an asterisk at the footnotes to tell us there's an excuse to get out. We have to stay in even while it's flawed. And I get it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can to make sure that the church is thriving, but we still have things that we're working on that we're getting better at, that we're striving to do and be and still God requires us to show up in our flaws, with our flaws, amid, in the midst of the flaws, to show up. And, and, I, and it is flawed, but it's beautiful. And you'll see God work things together that were broken, and God worked through flawed people, and it'll be confusing. And you'll be like, I don't understand how God could use that person with all the stuff that they were going through and dealing with. And then it'll dawn on you, oh, that means God can work through me with all the stuff I'm going through and all the stuff I'm dealing with. And then it becomes more and more beautiful that you see what God is doing. It's, it's flawed, but it's necessary. Uh, years ago, I was on a, a youth trip. We were doing like a day thing to help a, a, like a ministry in Tulsa. And I was driving the church bus and I got there and something hit. It was <laughs> something hit wrong. We had some burgers from a joint that I hadn't eaten at before. Haven't eaten at since because something hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, ugh. And I'm not, a, I'm not, I, maybe, maybe it's most of us men. I'm not a good sick person. Okay. I'm a big wuss. I wasn't married. So my wife couldn't even take care of me then. Like I was just sick. It was before I was married, and I was just miserable. I was laid up, and then it hit. Then it hit, hit. Like, it was hitting, and then it hit, hit. And I'm, like, trying to drive the bus home, and we have to pull over. And I have to be on the side of the road, like we're in a parking lot, just catbacking. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Because when I throw up, it's catback. <gasps> it's coming out my nose. I know, it's getting gross. But I just want you to get the full picture. That, that's how I throw up. I don't have a halfway throw up. Some of y'all just, like, throw up a little bit it's all petite and cute cool for you not me if it's coming out it's coming out like 30 miles an hour just sprayed on the wall so the, all the youth you know obviously kids love gross stuff so they're like at the van like oh my gosh I'm like <sighs> it was bad it was it was like maybe some of the most violent vomiting I've ever had in my life and you know I was like I'm not, I, I'm not eating at that place again 
I'll, I didn't I didn't go back and for some of you you might recognize in your life there's some things that hurt that you're not going to go back to but I still had to eat again the the food was necessary I, I could be like I don't like how that felt I never want to feel that thing again I threw up I never want to have food in my belly because I might throw up again no 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 I still have to eat and no matter what you've been through no matter what excuses we've got no matter how much the church might have even hurt you don't forsake the assembling don't don't forsake it it's necessary it's beautiful at times and yes it's gross at times there are times it hurts because the things that can use be used for the greatest good can also be used for the greatest evil it is worth it to purify it to help it to be a part of it in the midst of its flaws in the midst of its imperfections show up to the assembly whichever way you got to do it home church house church church cross town this church just show up and be a part of the assembly and i'm not i'm not asking you to attend church that's not what i'm saying that's a, that's a part of it, and that's a baby step. That's a step to get there. But the scripture, let's go back to these scriptures in Hebrews. Hebrews 24 and 25. It says, but exhorting one another. That word is interesting, right? We, we do it because we love each other. We show up because we love each other. I, I don't have to need the church to show up. Matter of fact, if some of you are like, I'm actually doing pretty good without the church, then now let me just tell you, the church needs you. Like, we need you to love us enough to show up what it looks like to be good without other people because we're struggling. Some of us can't do it without other people, so how do you do it? And we need you to help us. But it says to exhort one another. This word is used in the, the original Greek word is used over and over again in the New Testament. It's used in all different contexts. It's, it's used like call up, to, to, to call somebody up. Um, it's like if somebody's struggling, it's praying for them. It'll show up in scriptures praying for them. It'll show up in scriptures comforting somebody. And it'll show in scriptures basically calling them out. In a healthy way, you see the gold in them, you believe in them, they're like, hey, I need to exhort you for a second. And that exhortation might have been prayer, it might have been comfort, but it might have been like, God's got more for you. You're selling it short. You're living lukewarm. And the only way I know to get to a place where this exhorting happens, where it's like, hey, you, you, are you going to, I see something in your eyes. Like, I've seen you every single week. We're serving together on host team. We're serving together in Life Kids or we're in Brick Group. I see every week, but this week something's off. The only way you get to that level, level to call somebody up is if you know them well enough to know when to call them up. When to go, oh, I got, is, are you good? Or you see a gift set in somebody and they don't see it in themselves. And you're like, listen, you can make all the excuses you want in the world, but I see something in you that God has placed in you and you can't let fear win. You call them up like, hey, this, there's gold in you. Do it, live it. Do the thing that I'm challenging you to do. You can't do that unless you know somebody. You can't just show up, worship, and walk out the door and actually have a moment of exhortation with somebody. It just doesn't work like that. You need to get to know some people, pour into each other so that you can exhort to each other. So when he's saying, don't forsake the assembly, he's not saying just show up. He's saying connect. He's saying iron sharpen iron. Get to know some people, pour into people, be vulnerable with some people. Get to a spot where when you show up, you can grow. And that's, do it here. If this is your home church, do it. If this is your home church, you want to say, hey, I trust my pastor. I'm following my pastor. Uh, whatever my, I'm, I'm trying to do what God's called me to do. This is what I'm challenging you to do. Attend one, serve one, or show up to a brick group tonight. Figure out which one thing you're called to do. If you feel like you're lukewarm, this message is for you, do it. And do it again and again and again until you see exhortating, ex ex exhorting start to happen. Until you see relationships start to be. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't, I didn't say anything about being easy. It might cost you something. It might be very expensive for you to show up. Show up anyways, because the church needs you, and you need the church. And if you don't need the church, if you don't think you need the church, you might be more like Laodicea than you want to admit. Here's what he says to them. I want to read these verses again, verses 17 and 18. This is what I, this, I would so easily fall into this category. Because you say, 
I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. See, he's saying, you think you're good. Like, you think you don't need the church. I'd be that guy. I, I need the church because it keeps me grounded and healthy, and I've got healthy people around me to call me out, but I would easily become the guy without the church. Like, I'm good. Live and let live. Y'all do whatever y'all want to do, but I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I would be that guy to fall into this category without community, without forced community, without being a pastor that knows that I'm called to be here. I would be out. I would be, I would be with some of you. Like, I don't really need the church. Like, I'll show up when I can, when I have to, but I don't really need it. And what I think Jesus would say back to me is, no, 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 you think you're good. But you have a gift that you're not using. You are lukewarm. And I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth because you are actually poor. You are actually naked. You think you're good on your own. But you got people around you that need you. you got a calling on your life that you are not using. You are lukewarm. And, and, and he says, you, you think you're good, but you're actually, you need, to come, you need to come get the gold that's refining the fire. You need to come and pay the cost to buy it. He didn't say come get it for free. The, the cost of community is expensive. It really is. The cost of the body of Christ is expensive. I get grace is free. We can't pay for our salvation, but the cost of being in healthy community will cost us something. And it is an expensive cost. He's saying, buy it for me. Buy the most expensive gold that I have. Buy the white garments that are beautiful that I have for you. Pay for them so that you can be clothed because you think you're good, but you're actually, you're actually broke. You think you got it all figured out with your house and your retirement, your 401k, but you're actually broke. You think that you're, but you're actually naked. You think you can see, but you're actually blind. So come to me, get connected to my community so that you can see clearly. Come pay the cost to show up. Pay the cost, buy from Jesus. Jesus gives everything out for free, not in this moment. He said to pay the cost and it's expensive. What's your cost? What's your cost? Because you don't pay costs unless you know you need it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not buying new clothes unless I think I need new clothes. I'm not going to a doctor unless I think I'm sick. I'm not, especially not going to an eye doctor. Many of, I don't know, I haven't been forever. I might actually need to go to an eye doctor. I'm probably half blind. Until somebody convinces me that I can't see, I won't go to an eye doctor. And for many of us, we think that we're good. And Jesus is saying, come to me and pay the cost. Pay for the eye doctor because I'm telling you, you're blind. Come to me and be a part of the community as flawed as it is. Pay the cost because you actually need some new clothes. You actually need to see a doctor. You don't go to the doctor unless you think you're sick. Pay the cost. What's the cost for you? For some of us, it's, it's somewhat simple stuff. Maybe it's lake time. It's expensive, and you know that you're called to be here, but you'd love to be on the lake every single weekend of the summer, and God says, no, 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 I need you in community. Pick Saturday, come see me on Sunday. Like, it may cost you, and some of you are like, that's ridiculous, I don't need that cost. It may be, maybe you own a business, and you're leaving money on the table. It is costing your business to not go to work on Sunday, and you know how much extra money you can make if you just work one extra day a week, and he's saying, pay the cost sacrifice for me don't 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 go to work come to community come to connection man for me it's sleep okay every Sunday morning I am just Jesus why do I have to I don't know why we, why we had at 8 30 why was that my choice I'm so tired I don't need to get up this early it's still dark outside Jesus this can't be right there must be sin involved in waking up when it's still dark outside I know I'm a baby I know I'm a wuss but I'm <laughs> y'all think I'm exaggerating how I talk to God early in the morning talking to him about oh I don't want to have to get up hitting the snooze button and just I, I'm a big wuss pay the cost pay the cost some of you um 
It, the cost you're paying is worth it for the future of your family. Listen, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you want for your kids, but I hope that you want your kids to be passionate followers of Jesus. I hope that there's nothing that trumps that. But I hope your actions say that. Because some of our actions can easily let culture decide our temperature. And if culture decides our temperature, it's not Jesus that we're passionate about, it's our sports team or our, or, or our academics. And so we'll show up to the club league We'll make sure our kids are in all the leagues and we'll skip out on whatever we need to skip out on as, as far as community is concerned to make sure our kids show up to the right sports and are there all the time and doing all the work and we're making all the sacrifice for the sport. And one of the sacrifices is the church, is the community, is the connection point. And I get the temptation. You want your be- the best for your kids, but you've got to decide which one's better, their passion for Jesus or their passion for this sport. Because if, if you decide that you make sacrifices for the sport and the thing that gets sacrificed is the church, don't be surprised when they grow up that their faith gets sacrificed for all the other things in their life. Don't be surprised if you mimic for them what get, should get sacrificed and it shows up as community getting sacrificed. They won't have a community to show up to. When their marriage is hurting, you didn't model for them showing up when your marriage was hurting. You didn't model for them what it looks like to really make the sacrifice for the community of God. Don't be surprised when they don't understand why there should be a sacrifice for their faith. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm not trying to, trying to like call you out on anything that you're passionate about. But I am saying there are sacrifices worth making. It is worth it to do whatever it takes to make sure your kids know Jesus matters. His call on your life matters. The community, your deeds should show you're either cold or hot. Please don't be lukewarm. It's not me saying it's Jesus communicating to us. Let our actions show that we are either cold or hot. Some of you may have to overcome other stuff. It may be hard for you to show up because of the guilt. You may be struggling with stuff that I have no idea what's going on. Behind the scenes, you're like, Pastor, you would never understand. I've seen a lot. Maybe give us a chance. Show up with your guilt. Show up with your shame and find out if Jesus is good enough. Show up with the thoughts of, of the darkest things you can ever think of. Show up and see if the, if the God that loves you can surround you by other people that love you and you can find out that in the brokenness, God will build something beautiful. In, your, in the midst of your addiction, God will use you? That don't make no sense. No, 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 because he uses us while we're flawed. So show up anyways. Show up in the, you sinned last night, show up to church on Sunday. Show up to the brick group tonight. You're struggling, show up and serve on host team. Just show up and do the thing that you're called to do because God makes beautiful things out of things that are broken. And if you can let him show you that with your life, you get to show it to other people. To show up. The church hurt you, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Don't go back to the same restaurant, maybe. I'm not going back to that burger joint. I've never been back to that burger joint in Tulsa. You don't have to go to the, sh- the, the same restaurant, but you've got to eat again. You have to eat again. You have to be a part of the community somewhere. It, wherever it is, however it is, some way. If it's not the Bricks way, find your way, but get connected to the community. And if you're finding out that today I'm lukewarm, listen to these last words of Jesus in verse 19. All those I love are rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Jesus loves you too much to leave you lukewarm. So today, you can fill out a connect card to to join into serving. You can fill out a connect card to join into a brick group. You can go sign up at the wall. If, if, If the brick is your home and this is your thing, just be earnest. Just be honest about it for a moment. Just, you know what? All right, God loves me enough that I feel this sense of conviction. I feel a challenge in my heart that I don't really like feeling. I don't really want to. I wanted to come to church to be comforted, but all of a sudden Jared's yelling at me. It don't make no sense. Like, I, I, I just want Jesus to love me. No, no, Jesus loves you enough to say, come be a part. With the sacrifices, with the hurts, come be a part of the community and find out how good your God is. 
how he will surround you with the inflow and the outflow, how he will surround you. When you're hurting the most, you have people around you. There's a, a lady that serves at the brick, and uh, she was really struggling. She was really struggling, like, I don't mean like, oh, no, she's kind of having a hard time. Like, she was on the verge of taking her own life. And she kept showing up. She just kept showing up. Every week, she showed up. And there were weeks where she was having conversations, deep conversations with another leader that they could, they were close enough, that she trusted enough because she showed up to a brick group and they built relationship. And then she showed up and served. And she kept showing up with her thoughts. I mean, with like devastating, like I, I, I shouldn't be alive. I don't want to be alive. Just devastating thoughts. And she showed up and it wasn't one leader and it wasn't even me as a pastor. It wasn't me. I didn't show up in her life. I didn't get to show up and, 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 and walk her through it, but there were like 10 leaders that showed up and surrounded her and loved her well. And if you're, if you're needing it to be a pastor that's always there for you, I promise the community is so much bigger than that. And I'm actually worse than every person that showed up for her. My empathy level is super low. And, and you don't want me crying with you because I'm like, God jumps straight to solutions. I'm not that good at it. But there is somebody in the community that is. And if you'll show up and build relationships, and she kept showing up, she kept showing up. And she was struggling, and there would be weeks where they would have to go do house checks, just make sure she was okay. She kept showing up. And when she was having a hard day, she was honest about it. And there was exhortation, there was prayer, there was a calling up, there was a comforting that took place. And last week, there was a lady that came through the doors, different lady, came through the doors. And she said, I've got a family member that's struggling. I've got a family member that is suicidal. I don't, I don't know, other than the Holy Spirit, how they connected. Because the lady who was struggling with suicidal thoughts somehow met the lady who had a family member. And I, I like, met her for the first time. I was like, hey, welcome to the Brick Church. What's going on? I go to find her, and they're talking. And she's like, here's my number. I, go ahead. Ha- have your family member call me. Because when I was struggling, I showed up to a Brick group, and they surrounded me with love. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for showing up and serving and people surrounding me and praying for me and checking on me. I want to be that for somebody else. Inflow and outflow. The beauty of the community. The beauty of it. Like, that doesn't happen if there's not other people serving with her. It doesn't happen because of anything that I actually did. I didn't do anything in that story. The community did that, and that's what we need. We don't need another pastor who's really good at saying good words. What we need is a better community that is good at surrounding people in the midst of the hurt. That is good at surrounding people and exhorting people and calling them up, challenging them up, bringing them up to something more and better and saying, listen, this is worth it. It is worth the sacrifice. It is worth going through the hurt because together God builds something beautiful. And I'm not saying it'll all just be fine. The story is all perfect. She's never going to have any hard thoughts again. But I am saying in that moment, God did something amazing and beautiful because there was community and we'll keep fighting for each other. So today, show up. Don't be lukewarm. Let your deeds show that community matters. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, You can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.